The epistle lesson for this evening's service is from Paul's letter to the Romans, the fifth chapter, beginning at verse 12, and this will also serve as the basis for the sermon this night. St. Paul writes, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. If because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, just, just as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel is from the Gospel of St. Matthew, the fourth chapter, beginning at verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will Bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning's message is the words of St. Paul that I read to you moments ago from Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 19. In the name of Jesus Christ, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. A basic principle of our judicial system is that the accused is presumed innocent until proven guilty. 
In contrast, a basic principle of God's judicial system is that a person is guilty unless declared innocent. Let me repeat myself. In God's court of law, a person is guilty unless declared innocent. Like every other human being in this world, we are guilty of sin. We're guilty of the sin that we inherited. St. Paul writes in our text, sin entered the world through one man, and through this, the disobedience of one, the many, that means all of us, were made sinners. There's a rhyme in an old England primer that stated our condition this way, in Adam's fall, we sinned all. Yes, we are all guilty of sin. We're guilty of the sins of commission, such as lying and cheating and lusting and worrying and gossiping and having rage and impatience and jealousy and covetousness, and the list goes on. We're also guilty of sin because of the sins of omission. You know, those things that we should have done but did not do, such as like defending the reputation of someone who's being slandered in, in our presence, or where we've not provided offerings to the work of the Lord in his church, or where we've ignored the needs of the impoverished people around us. In other words, in God's court of law, we are all guilty, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And if you doubt this verdict, then answer this simple question. Will you die? Because if you answer yes to that question, then you can be certain that you are guilty of sin because the Bible states, death came to all men because all have sinned. And so unless we're declared innocent in God's court of law, we will be found guilty, we will be sentenced to eternal death in Satan's hellish prison, a prison that makes any penal penitentiary look like a country club. Did you note the universal effect of sin upon all humanity as expressed by St. Paul in our text? St. Paul writes, death came to all men because all sinned. Again in verse 18, he says, the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men. Long before Moses was given the Ten Commandments, people died. I mean, right from the very days of Adam to the time of Moses, death's curse was pronounced upon all, and all people died. Those are Adam's descendants. Death still has a grip on humanity, doesn't it? I mean, there's not a single person who has lived on earth forever. Sooner or later... All people die. Sooner or later, we all return to the dust from which we came. Does the significance of what St. Paul states sink into your heart and into your mind? I mean, every descendant, every person is a descendant of Adam. Every person is corrupted by Adam's sin. Every person is subject to death. Every person is tried in God's court. Every person is found guilty unless declared innocent. Think of the implications 
of this reality. It means that people in our family, people in our neighborhood, people in our place of employment, people in our schools, people in our concrete jungles of the world, people in the wild jungles of this world, people who gather in mosques and synagogues and shrines and temples and that, and even some people who have their name on a Christian church roster are guilty of sin, cursed with death, and condemned for their sin by the righteous judge who is God himself. This reality should really disturb us. It should make us uncomfortable. It should make us uneasy with the status quo. It should dispel any apathy that we might have towards sin and our need for a savior. And far too many people are being convicted and sentenced to eternal life imprisonment in hell. But let's move on to a more joyful reality that is found in our text. We and all the people in this world can be declared innocent. We can be declared innocent of all the charges that are against us. And we can be declared innocent through our association with Jesus Christ. One winter's night in 1935, it is told that Fiorello LaGuardia, the mayor of New York, showed up at a night court in the poorest ward of his city. He dismissed the judge for the evening and he took over the bench. And that night, a tattered old woman charged with stealing a loaf of bread was brought before him. And she defended herself by saying, my daughter's husband deserted us and my daughter is sick. And her children, my grandchildren, are starving. Well, the shopkeeper refused to drop the charges, saying, it's a bad neighborhood, Your Honor, and she's got to be punished to teach other people a lesson. And so LaGuardia, well, he sighed. And he turned to the woman and he said, I have to punish you. The law makes no exceptions. Ten dollars or ten days in jail. Even as he was pronouncing the sentence, LaGuardia reached into his own pocket. He took out the $10 bill, and he handed it to the woman, and he said, here's the $10 fine, which I now remit. The old woman, though guilty, was set free. Genesis chapter 3 tells us that God did something similar, but on a much grander scale. Yes, God's gracious act far surpassed LaGuardia's compassionate deed. God knew that Adam and Eve had broken his law, and as a holy, righteous judge, God had to declare to them, I've got to punish you, Adam and Eve. My law makes no exception. You are sentenced to death. From dust you came, and to dust you shall return, and you are now banished from paradise. But even as God spoke this sentence of judgment, he planned to send his own son into this world to suffer their sentence of judgment so that Satan might be destroyed, and death might be defeated, and that we might live with the Lord forever. 
he made this promise to Adam and Eve. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. God promised Adam and Eve as he spoke to the devil that day that one day the devil would be crushed and defeated once and for all by one of the descendants of Adam and Eve who would be none other than God's own son, our Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ lived the perfect life that we cannot live. Jesus, the second Adam, withstood the temptations of the devil unlike the first Adam. Jesus Christ endured the wrath and judgment of his father for our sin when he was executed on the cross. He bore the wrath of his father so that you and I will not have to bear it. St. Paul writes, the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man the many will be made righteous. All this God's Son did on our behalf so that the heavenly judge might declare to you and me, you are acquitted, you are forgiven of all of your sin, you are free. As God speaks those words to you and me tonight, we are free, forgiven, declared righteous in his sight. But friends, even after the Lord makes this pronouncement, even as he, as even, even as he pronounces his verdict to us that all of our sins are pardoned for Jesus' sake, our conscience still cries, but I am guilty. Do you not hear that in your own heart and mind? You hear these beautiful words of pardon from our Lord, and yet you still sit there and maybe think, but I am guilty. And the devil, well, he continues to point the accusing finger and says, yeah, she broke your law, or yes, you broke God's law. You deserve punishment. You deserve to live in hell. But in response our Savior, who also happens to be our defense attorney, pleads on our behalf before the judge. And he says, everything they say about my client is true. But I remind the holy magistrate that I have suffered and I have endured the penalty of the sentence so that the accused may be forgiven and declared innocent, acquitted on all charges. Have mercy on him, on her, on them. And God, our judge, does because he's a merciful judge for the sake of Jesus. During the presidency of Andrew Jackson, a postal worker named George Wilson robbed a federal payroll from a train and in the process he killed a guard. George Wilson was caught and he was convicted and he was sentenced to death by hanging. Because of the 
public sentiment against capital punishment, however, a movement began to secure a presidential pardon for Wilson because it was his first offense. And eventually, President Jackson intervened, intervened with a pardon. But amazingly and shockingly, Wilson refused it. He refused the pardon. And since this had never happened before, the Supreme Court was asked to rule on whether someone could refuse a presidential pardon. So Chief Justice John Marshall handed down the court's decision, and I, and I quote, A pardon is parchment whose only value must be determined by the receiver of the pardon. It has no value apart from that which the receiver gives it. George Wilson has refused to accept the pardon. We cannot conceive why he has done so, but he has, and therefore George Wilson must die. And George Wilson did die, being hung for his crime. Well, God has issued a pardon. He's issued a pardon to all people through His Son, Jesus Christ. And God's pardon does have value in and of itself, whether a person accepts it or not. You see, God's pardon has value in and of itself because it, it comes from God. And it was signed by the blood of God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. But like the presidential pardon of Andrew Jackson, God's pardon can also be rejected. And amazedly, and even sadly and tragically, many people reject God's pardon. Hard to believe, isn't it? Many refuse to believe in Jesus as their Savior. They want nothing to do with Him, even though He died for them. And they want nothing to do with the Word of God. They spurn the Word of God that delivers the pardon. And consequently, they get what they want. They live on death row. And they live under God's judgment of eternal death. Thankfully, friends, that's not you and me. God in His grace has called us by name and he has said to each and every one of us in our holy baptism that you are mine. My son died for you. I wash away your sins. I remember them no more. You are pardoned. And by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit working through the sacraments and the word, you and I believe this and we confess it. And we receive God's pardon joyfully and gratefully. But now... Think of all the people in the world who do not know or believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. No, <laughs> maybe on second thought, that's not so, so wise. It can be maybe a little too overwhelming to think of all the people who reject God's pardon. But instead, think of one person that you know who does not believe in Christ as their Savior. Have you got that person in your mind? I hope so. Because now ask yourself, what is his or her status in God's court of law? Remember, they're guilty until declared innocent. What can you do so that that person might hear God 
declare to them, as God has declared to you and to me, I find you not guilty for the sake of my son who died for you. What can you do for such a person so that God might deliver to them pardon and acquittal for all of their sin? May God's peace be to all of you who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.